0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. It's so great to be with you on this Thursday. I hope you're doing just absolutely splendid. Let's dive in. Tony Evers, the governor of Wisconsin, did something really, really awesome with his partial veto power for a recent budget that was made by a majority uh, Republican legislature in the state of Wisconsin. He's a Democratic governor, and he came up with a really interesting, unique way to help students in the state of wisconsin by uh very strategically altering the budget that was given to him again with his partial veto power um, by the republican-led legislature i want to show this to you the individual story is interesting and then also get to the larger conversation about how i wish these types of actions would be more common from democrats in state governments and the federal government this is being reported on by the milwaukee journal sentinel tony evers uh uses veto powers to extend annual increases for public schools for the next four centuries four centuries extra funding to schools So how do you do this? Governor Tony Evers, a former public school educator, used his broad partial veto authority this week to sign into law a new state budget that increases funding for public schools for the next four centuries. The surprise move will ensure district state imposed limits on how much revenue they are allowed to raise uh, will be increased by $325 per student each year until 2425 creating a permanent annual stream for new revenue. Um, And to change this, you would have to have uh, a future legislature act proactively to go in and change it, right? Unless this gets knocked down in the court. And this is the largest increase in the history of the state for this type of funding. And so specifically, you can see from this bill, he vetoed out with his partial veto power, the words the and then uh, the number 24 school year and the 20 This is confusing for our podcast listeners, I'm sure. But essentially, by taking out select words, you were able to make it read instead of for the limit for the 2023 to 2024 school year and the 2024-2025 school year. Instead, it just reads for the limit for uh, 2023 through twenty four twenty-five 25 and uh, sees that increase be implemented, which is so genius, so great, and will benefit students, again, if it's not knocked down In the courts, Um, here was him signing this budget. So he's signing it right now for our podcast listeners, and they're here clapping. There we go. And so whenever there is a majority in the state legislature, the governor is pretty limited. But here, um, when they have this power, is a way that... Real changes can be made. And he also, um, as this, this article goes on to write, the veto was one of more than four dozen the Democratic governor made to reshape the $99 billion two-year state budget Republicans passed last week. Among the vetoes was the majority of the centerpiece of Republicans' lawmakers' budget plan, a $3.5 billion tax cut that focused relief for the state's wealthiest residents. Of course, Republicans, what are they up to in the state of Wisconsin? as is often the case federally and in state legislatures across the country, trying to cut taxes for the wealthy. And Evers knocked that down, which is good to see. Um, And so then we've talked about in the past the fact that Republicans right now, across the board, but especially in state legislatures and uh, governors as well, in red states will be super, super aggressive in trying to get through bad actions, um, damaging actions, politically advantageous, but demonization of certain communities type actions. And their motivation is so strong to do those things that they'll break with norms, they'll violate institutional guidelines just to get through these things um, that the Republican base is happy about that often is so damaging to constituents across the board, often even Republican constituents. Um, and we've talked about this a lot in regard to L- uh, LGBTQ people being Targeted and the aggression and energy behind the movement to target LGBTQ people, it's pretty stunning and disturbing. And then on the other side, sometimes you see the Democratic Party with far superior policy positions, but less motivation to get them done. And I don't go as far as some on the left to say, trash the institutions, throw them in the garbage can like Republicans are doing, but just in favor of the Democratic Party. No, I think we can work within uh, effectively while sometimes breaking norms, but within the system without throwing it all in the garbage to improve it and to improve the lives of people and defeat the GOP. But it will take pushing the envelope within the system. Um... And that's what Tony Evers is doing here, pushing the envelope, coming up with unique, intelligent ways to benefit the lives um, in kind of headlining, uh, headline grabbing ways as well of the residents of Wisconsin. And I want state governments that are Democratic led, that are Democratic majorities or Democratic governors to think of every way that they can do that be just as motivated and energetic as republicans but to do the good things the correct things while not going as far or stooping as low as they do and again kind of uh trashing our democratic institutions being one example um very notably and so credit to tony evers evers there hopefully we'll see more of this type of energy from the democratic party to make that contrast clear the difference between the gop what they get done and the democratic party and of course, to benefit the lives of people. You may all remember uh, during the kind of 2020 election, Trump trying to pressure election f- officials um, era, one of the characters in this whole terrible, horrible. Uh, concerning moment in american history was rusty bowers and he at the time was the speaker of the house of arizona and trump and rudy giuliani called him up while they were trying to overturn the election results in between the november election and um, trump leaving office in january of 2021 and called rusty bowers similar to how they called brad raffensperger And try to get him to work with them to overturn the election results in the state of Arizona, Arizona being one of those swing states that Joe Biden won. And we've now learned that Rusty Bowers, the Speaker of the House at the time, no longer um, from Arizona. He disclosed in a recent CNN interview that we'll look at that he has been cooperating with the FBI. He was interviewed for four hours by the FBI in regard to their investigation into Trump's attempts to overturn um, the 2020 election in a potentially unlawful, unconstitutional manner. And so uh, before we look at that interview moment this is being reported on by the hill ex arizona house speaker says he's spoken to fbi in 2020 election probe former uh, arizona house speaker rusty bowers on wednesday revealed that he has been interviewed by the fbi in connection with the 2020 election probe and then it cites some quotes that we'll see him say in this interview bowers testified before the house select committee investigating the january 6 2021 Capitol riot last year where he refuted former president uh, Trump's description of a phone call between the two of them during the 2020 election and said he was pressured by the foreign president and his foreign personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, to overturn President Biden's victory in Arizona. And before looking at the thing that made news uh, being this CNN interview, let me remind you about some of what Rusty Bauer said during the January 6th like, committee hearings um, about his decision to stand against the attempts by Trump, Giuliani, and others to subvert the will of the people in the state of Arizona.
1: And he pressed that point. And I said, look, you are asking me to do something that is counter to my oath when I swore to the Constitution to uphold it. And I also swore to the Constitution and the laws of the state of Arizona. And this is totally foreign as a, an idea or a." theory to me and I would never do anything of such magnitude without deep consultation with qualified attorneys and I said I've got some good attorneys and I'm going to give you their names uh, but you're asking me to do something against my oath and I will not break my oath.
0: There you go. Which is what every single individual should have answered when asked um, and many of them did but every single one including those in trump's orbit should have said this is a violation of our constitution our obligation to the constitution to our democratic process and even if we hate joe biden or love trump or whatever it might be we're not going along with these actions uh to overturn a free and fair election with that being said here was rusty bowers on cnn with caitlin collins disclosing that he has been um Giving information to the FBI about this phone call.
1: Ask me for opinions. You are. <laughs> yes, I. I but, have. Um, but have have you been? Have, Rusty, yeah, have I'm you? Sorry. We talked
0: about your call with with Trump and with Giuliani, as you just mentioned. There, they were both on that phone call. Have you been subpoenaed by the special counsel?
1: Uh, I ha- oh, That's a great question. I. I'm hesitant to talk about any subpoenas, etc., but I have been interviewed by the FBI in the January 6th investigation.
0: I, or excuse me, I in the effort to overturn the election results.
1: Correct. It was four hours of of uh, of a discussion that they had with me. When Very was, professional. When was that interview? Uh, it, was, it was a few, couple of months ago, three months ago about the same time frame
0: actually there we go um and the reason this is so important is because as more and more individuals get involved in this investigation obviously you're going to have more information possibly disclosed more evidence gathered but also and Before I finish out this point, this is from The Washington Post. Uh, In a phone call in late 2020, President Donald Trump tried to pressure Arizona Governor Doug Ducey to overturn the state's presidential election results. So uh, Speaker of the House at the time, he's pressuring and the governor over on the Georgia side, also doing this with the Secretary of State and the Speaker of the House at the time. And so... As you get more and more stories from different places across the country and a similar effort, a similar plan, we're going to try to overturn the election results. Here, Here's what we would need you to do as a Speaker of the House to make that happen. You realize and uh, a future possible jury will be able to realize this was a coordinated effort. This was not Trump just impulsively saying something on a call find me 11,780 votes but uh, it wasn't actually a conspiracy with other individuals a plan being made to actually go and unlawfully um, pressure election officials to overturn a free and fair election as you get more and more people involved with the same sort of story told you realize okay if all this was happening and it was happening over the course of weeks this was a uh, an intentional effort plan being put forward um, by Trump and his allies. And if it can be proven to be unlawful, then Trump should be held accountable for that. Because as I've said many times, we cannot have someone who used their office as president to attempt to subvert the will of the people and overthrow our democratic process. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. We're gonna take a quick break from the show so I can tell you about the Luke Beasley Show merch that's now available. You can see I'm sporting a sweater today with the Luke Beasley Show logo on it. You can get access to your own Luke Beasley Show merch by going to lukebeasleymerch.com. Super simple, lukebeasleymerch.com. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, sweaters, sweatpants, mugs, backpacks, whatever you wanna get. It probably is there. Super fun. And if you do indeed get merch, make sure to show me somehow. Tweet at me with a photo. That would be super fun to see. And my hope was to kind of get the design to stay simple so you don't have to make a big statement when you're wearing it. I never get merch like that. So instead, it's just a little logo. Most people won't even know what it is, but you'll know. You'll be a part of the club, part of the family. Super, super fun. We talked about on the show a couple shows ago the anti-LGBTQ ad that was dropped by... The DeSantis campaign or posted by one of the campaign accounts, uh, really stunning and disturbing, trying to broadcast the fact that DeSantis believes himself to be, and accurately so possibly, the most anti-LGBTQ Republican running and um, even more so than, than Donald Trump. And he just absolutely will go as far as possible to target that community. And that was the ad's point. It was celebrating. That people for example have said there's one clip of a progressive political commentator saying uh desantis threatens the existence of trans people that's in the ad for desantis that's what's being celebrated that he threatens the existence of people and uh other things i would show you this before diving into how george santos plays into this story i would show you the ad again to remind you but i uploaded a clip with this ad in it and it got copyrighted and then the video got blocked so now i don't think it's viewable which is really strange. So I won't play the ad, but there's shirtless men in it, I guess, trying to make DeSantis seem ripped by um, setting them next to DeSantis. I don't really know. And then quotes from headlines like, no one is more dangerous for the White House than Ron DeSantis, including Donald Trump. That's what they're celebrating. That is the point of the ad. Again, he threatens the existence of trans people. That's one thing that was said and he's celebrating. And uh, that ad apparently was even too far for george santos the serial liar george santos take a look at this from media george santos of all people is complaining he feels used and misled by desantis after campaign shared anti-lgbtq ad so a part of this article is pointing out that it's pretty ironic that george santos is annoyed that desantis misled him because he's the king of misleading but um also interesting that he's off put by this in a rather uh, this article writes in a rather bonkers example of the pot calling the kettle black representative george santos is complaining about being misled by another politician presenting himself as something he wasn't the new york republican is also openly gay and has previously voiced his support for florida's parental rights and education bill which they're now expanding to grade 12 so all the grades now k through 12 you won't be able to have any discussion about gender identity or sexual orientation because why would it be useful or necessary to tell people before they become an adult about things that exist in this world people that exist concepts that exist things that will make them more knowledgeable about this world why would you need that Uh, signed a law by governor ron santis uh santos was among several lgbtq republicans who defended the bill against accusations that it had homophobic intentions but now the tone is shifting it talks about a hill article that's cataloging different lgbtq republicans that responded to this video and it talks about george santos who has endorsed trump for president but as was noted supported the don't say gay bill and says he now feels used and misled by DeSantis. he said quote i used to think he was a great governor but uh, now I'm starting to think differently. Sans also uh, suggested his opinion of DeSantis has turned because of the video. I still stand by the bill in its nature, but now it seems that it had a more perverse agenda behind it. I'm starting to see DeSantis for what he is. Rhetoric is to diminish and remove rights away from people like myself and I can't support that. So now because of this video, George Santos is coming around to the fact that, hmm, maybe all those people he called crazy, those crazy liberals who were saying this parental rights bill as it was coined, but uh many call it the don't say gay bill in Florida that DeSantis pushed for to move forward his political agenda. Maybe it's not number one attempting to do what they say it's attempting to do. Number two will have more negative ramifications than even currently known and three the honest intention from desantis is to be publicly seen by the republican base as a warrior for demonizing lgbtq people and dehumanizing lgbtq people and shoving out of schools shoving out of public places conversation um and recognition of lgbtq people's humanity and their identities that's the goal that's the purpose and that's what I don't even have to say that as some, again, crazy liberal from the perspective of DeSantis. He was celebrating that people say that about him in that ad, or at least his campaign was. And now George Santos is coming around and he feels misled. Well, maybe you should have had proper judgment earlier on because, yes, we've been raising the alarm about the purpose behind these LGBTQ targeting bills um, and the constant dehumanization of this community. It's not some authentic attempt, come on, to protect the kids, as Republicans say. It is this uh, public punching bag they use to get applause from their followers, as I've said, and it's really, really horrifying. We've been watching as the Republican Party in the House of Representatives especially has made it one of their issues to go after the FBI the DOJ because god forbid they hold Trump accountable legally for his now pretty clear violations of the law especially with the notorious Trump tape where he's committing crimes on tape and they're not for law and order they said they were for a very long time now that it's affecting one of their own they're very much not for law and order and i want to walk through a recent political piece that i came across that highlights this point and emphasizes the danger to the rule of law that again they purported to care so much about of their actions in the house as they ramp up their efforts to go after Mayor garland uh christopher ray director of the fbi um DOJ as an institution, FBI as an institution, and how this really does threaten the rule of law. Um, So this is, like I said, from Politico, titled Inside the House, GOP's plan to go after FBI and DOJ. And it writes, House Republicans are taking their fight with the FBI and Justice Department to a new level, weighing punitive steps against both agencies that would have been unfathomable a decade ago, half a year into their majority. And with an increasingly restless right flank, the House GOP is ready for a uh, confrontation after a spate of recent decisions it sees as either anti-Trump or pro-Biden. At the top of the list, yes, of course, Hunter Biden's plea deal with federal investigators and Donald Trump's indictment over his handling of classified documents. It talks about the targeting of Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray and then gets to a really notable part additionally some conservatives who believe the agencies have targeted Republicans uh, no evidence are eager to cut the law agencies budgets then there's the long brewing congressional fight over a soon to expire warrantless surveillance program that has sparked bipartisan accusations of abuse by the FBI and then it cites a quote here believe the best way to send a message is to use the power of the purse so Is just simply changing the funding to different agencies a threat to rule of law? No, of course not. Um, maybe at certain points it's good to decrease at different points, it's good increase. It's very situational. Of course, the situation here is different though, because only now are Republicans wanting to punish the certain agencies. They feel like have wronged conservatives. Again, they haven't provided actual significant evidence to, um, support the belief that these institutions are being weaponized against conservatives but it's a narrative and based on that narrative to rile up their base they have to do some sort of action and right now we're seeing and we've covered it extensively the defund the fbi movement i guess if you want to call it that within the gop they're actually seriously considering and attempting to move forward on uh Leveraging their power of the purse, as it's called, leveraging their ability to decrease funding to these different institutions and agencies to punish them for essentially, at the end of the day, there's other stuff around that they'll talk about, but ultimately it comes down to going after Donald Trump. In reality, Trump brought this on himself, he seemingly violated the law. And in a country that has rule of law, where no one's above the law, which is what we're supposed to have, even though often we don't, and people seem to be above the law, but if we do believe in that, then it's good to see someone who is influential, who is powerful, foreign president, who seems to violate the law, and now he's being held accountable for that. We should celebrate that our system is working in this case and isn't being so blinded by the power, privilege, and influence of Trump. But in their eyes, because Trump is still the dear leader of the GOP, um, they have to, for the purposes of throwing red meat to their base, go after the entities that they feel are targeting Trump. And so this sets up a situation where these agencies, um, the DOJ, for example, um, or the FBI, the institution of the DOJ or the FBI as an agency, will feel threatened by political agendas and might be influenced by that it's interesting as i've talked about in the past um they say the federal government's being weaponized against conservatives and it's not but they're working in the name of fighting back against that to weaponize the federal government for their interest against the other political side and uh what would end up happening is the fbi the doj other institutions within the government that are supposed to be somewhat independent from lawmakers will feel threatened by these lawmakers and uh, may not act as correctly in line with strictly rule of law as they should because they're worried hey you remember when we went after trump all of a sudden our our, uh, funding got cut massively and we got called in to testify and we got slapped around metaphorically politically by these people and um maybe we should be a little more careful and we don't want that we want them to act as independently as possible and that's what the house gop is trying to get in the way of well by this time in the show i know what all of you are thinking when is luke going to talk about the most important story in america right now when is he going to address cocaine gate Um, As I saw some right wingers calling it. So let's address it. Let's talk about cocaine gate. Um, If you missed this, cocaine was found at the White House. Very big story right now. Lots of chatter about it. And the right wing instantly, you can already, if you haven't seen the story, you already know where this is going. Just think cocaine, White House. What are they going to say? It was Hunter Biden. Of course, it's the obsession. Now, One thing that is left out when they talk about this is where the cocaine was found because that instantly knocks down their theory about it being Hunter Biden that brought it. Or as we'll get to in the next segment, Biden himself bringing it as Trump is accusing um, Biden of. But the cocaine was found in these cubbies or lockers as you're entering to go on a tour. If you're a visitor of that sort and you have to put your belongings while you go on a visit like that into a little cubby the president or the president's children aren't going through and putting their stuff in the cuppies. Okay. Um, often they even don't even go through that entrance. That is, uh, where the cocaine was found. This is for visitors. Like I said, going on tours, this is not for family of the president, but that hasn't stopped. Um, as I've said before, don't let the facts get in the way of a good time. Isn't that right? Uh, MAGA. And so they're saying that Hunter Biden brought the cocaine. It's Hunter Biden's cocaine because of his past with with a drug addiction, and that's been the narrative. Well, this was too bonkers, even for Kaylee McEnany. What? She had to debunk this on Fox News. Really funny to see, Um, and I'll show you that in a moment. But to give you a sense of what the conspiracy theory is about Hunter Biden, here's this.
1: Huge difference.
0: And this is Republican Congressman Daryl Issa.
1: Uh, When, in fact, all the president, and then before that, vice president had to do was make it appear as though he was behind his son. He has done that before. Mm-hmm. He did it yesterday. He continues to have uh, somebody with a history of drug addiction mm-hmm. uh, in the White House. Uh, and uh, it, it is not a small problem that we find cocaine after Hunter Biden's been in the White House and people roll their <laughs> eyes and say, you know, we never had this before. How could what's changed? Yeah, uh, Congressman Darrell Issa, thank you, sir.
0: He- mm. So, number one, baseless accusation. Number two, what is that talking point that you hear so often? This vague, oh, interesting. What is Hunter Biden doing around his dad? Why is he at the White House? Why is he with his family? (laughs) Because they're family and they're going to see each other sometimes. Oh, we have a photograph of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden together the other day. Hmm. Um, It doesn't make any sense. It's perfectly... Expected that family members of the president will sometimes be seen with the president. Now, of course, Hunter Biden has a particularly uh, rough past. And so I understand why, optically, based on all the accusations and things that he's actually been involved in, um, his history with drug addiction and other things, it makes sense that maybe optically it's not the best thing for Biden to always be around him. Fair. But they act like just the, the nature of them being together is suspicious. Why is he being seen with someone with a history of drug addiction? It's his son. That's why. Um, okay. And then here is kind of the reporting of this story from Vox and Friends. Uh McEnany filling in for Ainsley Earhart. And this whole segment just cracked me up. Eventually, you'll hear Kayleigh McEnany have to slap down this story.
1: And the entrance is between the two. Uh, as soon as the news came out on Sunday night into Monday, people are thinking, oh, cocaine, it's obviously yeah. Hunter-related. And, you know, uh, yesterday, the White House was very specific in saying family members, guests of family members, go in the East Wing. It's not like they would come through the West Wing, so as to diminish that, you know, the rumor that it was somehow related to Hunter Biden. But unfortunately, because it's cocaine, people are thinking Hunter Biden, thinking about the president and the weird situation. I don't see how that's possible. Look, Karine John Jamp- no, here gave us, gave us no information right. whatsoever. I, I would have gone to Secret Service saying, guys, I cannot go to the press without some sort of information. Give even me a the location. line. Give me one line. Yeah, well, her one well, so line so to is... Speak. She says i've got something to share the president and the first lady and the family were not here this weekend that's right. not news we all knew that right um and for it to be hunter biden he left
0: a lot of reviewers don't seem to know that
1: on friday he was at camp right. david there is no way it is inconceivable to think cocaine could sit for a 72-hour period um, so i i would rule him out at this point all right so, so remember so do, remember when joe biden was big in- okay
0: one other really funny part of this to me was at some point during a recent segment i joked about how if Biden smiles weird in the eyes of Fox News, it's a controversy. Take a look at this.
1: A package of cocaine in his White House. And I know we'd love to say it was there and Donald Trump left it behind, but that won't fly. Look at this awkward smile.
0: Y'all ready for this? Get ready. Clearly Biden's he's involved or something or he is suspiciously not wanting to talk about the cocaine gate. You caught it. You see how su- suspicious that was. I mean, how is he going to recover? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, embarrassing.
1: think about the Swedish presidents there trying to lobby in to get into NATO.
0: But this, you can't. Mm-hmm. Because notoriously, it's the president of the United States who handles whether or not cocaine gets into a cubby at the White House. He's head of security day to day. He's checking the bags and all of that. It is concerning. um You don't want illegal substances to be near the president if it was something else more dangerous. uh, I heard someone say, what if it was anthrax? You definitely want to uh, make sure that nothing unwanted comes near the White House, of course. Um, So that's its own story. But the fact that it always gets connected to either Biden being corrupt or horrible or being suspicious with his smiles or Hunter Biden brought it is the ridiculous part. To discuss a little bit further what is being referred to by Marjorie Green and others as cocaine gate, I was seeing out in the abyss, that term being used, very interesting, um, to reset for our YouTube segment viewers, there was cocaine found at the White House in a cubby, a visitor's cubby where you're supposed to put your belongings before, for example, you go on a tour, and so clearly it was one of those people. And uh, instead of the narrative from the right wing without evidence is Hunter Biden brought it when he was at the White House, even though the timeline doesn't really make sense there. And uh, we just looked at in the last segment, Kaylee McEnany had to say there's no chance it was Hunter Biden. Sorry, guys. Um, But still, this is being uh, perpetuated. And Trump brought this to the next level and is saying not just Hunter Biden, this cocaine is Joe Biden's (laughs) Sleepy Joe's snorting coke and uh, also Jack Smith, possibly. Just sure. Uh, he wrote on True Social, does anybody really believe that the cocaine found in the West wing of the White House, very close to the Oval Office, is for the use of anyone other than <laughs> Hunter and Joe Biden? <laughs> How can you make your whole attack about Biden being he's so sleepy and then say it's Joe Biden's cocaine? But watch, the fake news media will soon start saying that the amount found was very small and it wasn't really cocaine. Cocaine is in all caps for some reason, but rather common ground up. Aspirin and the story will vanish. Has deranged Jack Smith, the crazy Trump-hating special prosecutor, been seen in the area of the cocaine? He looks like a crackhead to me. So just throwing that in the mix. Um, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and Jack Smith were having quite the party at the White House. And they put the cocaine afterwards or before in a cubby made for visitors such as tour visitors. That makes sense. Um, Because you know how the president of the United States has to empty his pockets and put things in a cubby before he goes in the White House. Uh, And then I saw Donald Trump Jr., son of Trump, said, something on twitter but this is being reported on by newsweek about how the media is not covering this donald trump jr has hit out this is from newsweek at the apparent lack of media interest in the appearance of cocaine at the white house while suggesting it proves a bias against his father he said they made a much bigger deal about uh trump's diet coke button which is just hilarious that biden had removed the button he would click to get Diet Coke brought in on a tray to him in the White House and this talking point is far too common when it doesn't even apply of the media the media is not covering this story really it certainly does
1: and one of the big questions here is how it entered the White House to begin with now as you mentioned the the, a person familiar is now so
0: that's from CNN and then Karine Jean-Pierre couldn't even do anything it seemed in a press conference other than ask, um, or I should say, answer questions about the cocaine.
1: Per the entry, go to the
0: holiday. Can you give any more details on where the Secret Service found the cocaine in the West Wing and how it got
1: So, as you know, this is on under- the. Okay,
0: then let's just skip forward to another random part. Of this 14 minute clip days
1: they happened on friday they happened on saturday uh, and sunday the times that they do not happen is when there's a federal holiday like yesterday there was not uh, a west wing tour uh, and also when there's a white a, a large white house
0: talking about tours in regard to the cocaine let's skip forward into the end
1: happening at this time just not going to get ahead of it let secret service do their job and if i work on the white if i work anywhere on the complex what is the process like?
0: and then talking about security adjustments based on the cocaine okay so Minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes of questions to Corrine Jean Pierre about the cocaine, because that's the single most pressing issue. Um, it doesn't matter for the people there, sure, but uh, to the United States for all these journalists, eh? Not so much. And uh, then CNN was covering it, MSNBC was covering it, Fox covering it. I don't understand that talking point that often the right wing will say to justify their anger about a story. It's not necessarily that the story is necessarily proven or the most important thing ever, but it's just, it's not getting covered enough. So what's the cover up? And then you look on all the networks and they're all covering it. Um, Very, very strange. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. I will see you tomorrow.